Hello, I'm Kevin Richard. Well, online education has obviously taken center stage during the pandemic. That's true in the K-12 space, as well as higher education. But for Western Governors University, online education has been a way of life for a quarter of a century. Yes, back when the internet was a new thing, WGU was just starting up. I sat down this week with Tanya Drake. She is the uh, chancellor of WGU's Washington campus and the regional vice president for WGU to talk about online education during the pandemic and beyond. Here's what she had to say. Well, Dr. Drake, thank you for making the time to be with us this week. Um, so Western Governors University, it kind of flies under the radar, I think, for a lot of our listeners. So just start with the elevator speech. Tell us a little bit about WGU and what should our listeners most know about what you're doing? Sure. For, well, first, let me say thank you so much. Such a pleasure to be on. And, oh. and please call me Tanya. <laughs> okay, okay, we'll do. Yeah, so I am very excited um, to talk to you about Western Governors University, WGU. We have a new partnership with Idaho. Um, and what that means to us is, is we're working with Idaho to address workforce needs. Um, things like teacher shortage, um, the nursing shortage, um, really hot areas like IT, including cybersecurity and um, data analytics, cloud services, as well as general business degrees as well. Um, we're very excited because we were really built for an online environment. We were imagined about uh, 25 years ago by 19 Western governors, um, one of which was the governor of Idaho at the time. And they were really thinking about building a university to serve working adults. And at the time they were leveraging the internet, which was kind of a novel idea at the time. Mm -hmm. Um, and a competency-based model. And competency really just means as soon as a student establishes competency, they can move on to the next course. Right, so it's not seat time, it's it's more of a, a mastery approach. Right? It is, yes. So we've unlinked time and learning, and that really saves students, well, time, um, and it saves them money. Right. Um, because they can get through our courses on average in about two and a half years and come out with their bachelor's degree. Um, so incredibly affordable, um, very flexible model. Um, and given these times in a pandemic, while we weren't built you know, to serve, serve a pandemic, um, we've certainly seen um, an increase in enrollment um, across our university. And we're very excited to work with Idaho, um, mostly because we can serve a rural community also, as long as you have access to the internet, you have access to higher education, and you don't have to leave your communities um, to attain that degree. So obviously, I mean, WGU goes back well before the pandemic, but you're, you're plunked into the plan into the pandemic here. Uh, how has that affected you know, what you're seeing in terms of uh, student demographics, in terms of student demand, uh, in terms of delivery of education? I mean, how did that affect what you've been doing the past eighteen months? Sure. So operationally, we are about the same, um, which is great for our students. So we didn't have any. Um, changes to our operation. Uh, like many institutions, either K-12 or higher ed, they went into sort of emergency mode for online. Uh, we have all the systems to, to deal with um, student success from an online model. That said, our students still were impacted by the pandemic. Um, and so, you know, either working from home or being laid off or now as people are really thinking about recareering and what they want to do post-pandemic um, is a really great time to 
consider maybe different career options. And so we are seeing individuals making some different choices. Um, right now, IT, like I said, is, is a really up and coming field. Um, and we are seeing a lot of interest in that area and a lot of workforce needs. Um, so we have seen increases in that area. An area that I think suffered is is teacher education, um, you know, and, and I think we've seen that across the state. Um, and I know that's a real big need. Um, we hear from our students, though, that came through our teachers program that they had some experience in online learning and were able to use that in their own classrooms and to be mentors for other teachers um, as they had to pivot to online learning. Um, so certainly um, impacted a, a, on a lot of different models. How is the enrollment changing now, not just in terms of the numbers, but maybe in terms of the demographics of the students you're seeing? Sure. So we do primarily see a lot of women um, entering uh, our, our our programs, um, primarily in teacher education as well as as well as healthcare. Um, we are seeing um, more rural students um, who are looking for access, but like I said, want to stay in their own communities, um, particularly in Idaho um, and some of our other states that we serve, um, including Montana, Wyoming, um, different areas. Um, I do attribute that to maybe awareness. Um, so maybe individuals may not have heard of WGU before, but are now gaining awareness that, that that's an opportunity for them. Um, so I will say those are some of the big changes that we've seen. Um, the other changes that we've seen, um, I will say, let me think. Um, students who need access to the internet. So the digital divide became, I will say, a, a pretty big um, barrier for many students, um, particularly in rural areas, or a student who might live in urban areas but not, might not be able to afford access to the internet. And so what we did is we partnered with T-Mobile um, and T-Mobile helped us generate an online access scholarship. So we were able to provide hotspots for students in the form of laptops and then helping them pay monthly fees so that they could access uh, the, um, well, just access courses and, and their online degree. Um, so we were able to leverage our partnerships in order to meet that um, immediate uh, barrier for students. So you mentioned the partnership with, with Idaho with, and trying to meet a lot of high demand fields. And you, you hit on ones we've been writing about a lot, especially the teacher shortage, but obviously you've got a nursing shortage, cybersecurity and IT are, are hot fields. How do you create online platforms to serve students in those disciplines? Because that's a pretty wide swath of academic disciplines and, and programs. It is. So we have a different model um, for higher education. Um, our students come in um, and they we, we don't have things called undecided. Um, we don't have things called electives. Our students come in and they have life experiences and they bring that knowledge base with them. And all they have to do is demonstrate that knowledge. We'll give them credit for it and then they can move on to their next course. Um, and then they really spend time on the courses that they need to learn. Um, what that means for you know a student who may have been in the accounting field is they can probably get through their accounting courses pretty quickly but then uh, spend more time on the classes that they need to study um, 
Given that, we also provide um, every single student with a faculty mentor. Um, and that faculty mentor starts with the student um, as soon as they start with WGU and they finish with that student and they do weekly check-ins. Um, so you have sort of a, a coach or guide along the entire process because many of our students are re-entering higher education. Maybe they've taken a break for um, you know several years and haven't been back into study mode and so they need that one-on-one -on -one support. So you're making less of a remote experience for the student by giving the student a, a contact point. Absolutely, absolutely. How else do you try to address, are, are your students looking for a student experience per se, or are they just looking to you know, get the career skills that they're looking for, either as you know, a first time student or a returning student? Sure. So I think when we think of higher education, we tend to think of sort of our youth coming out of high school who are not sure about what they want to do or, or how they want to experience life. Um, our students are, are not those students. I, I think higher education has wonderful options for individuals who might want that sort of on-campus or student life experience. Um, ours are working adults. They have their social network. They've, they've developed some problem-solving skills. Um, they don't need sort of that, that on-campus um, experience. Um, they're looking to move forward on their degrees um, so they can either advance within uh, their current field um, or get hired within a new field. And so I think our student experience is more support. Um, it is um, it is quick to degree, and what they're really looking for is a return on their investment, right? And so um, one of the advantages of our affordable model is it it's about. $3,500 for six months, so about $7,000 a year, and you can get through as many courses as you can get through in that six months. So there's some incentive for students to move fairly quickly um, so that they can get their return on that degree um, in, in a faster time. And it's a student cohort that, you know, Idaho has talked a lot about trying to improve its completion rate, and I think there's an understanding that improving the completion rate isn't just catering to kids coming straight out of high school and getting them through college. I mean, that's obviously important, but you also need to get students who may have started along the way, life, uh, life intervened, and now they're coming back trying to uh, complete uh, the program they started. Absolutely. Uh, and I think one of the keys to that is making learning independent. We all learn differently. We all have different needs. Um, so say if you're a single parent and you have some time to study tonight, but you can't get to your studies again until this weekend, um, we offer that flexibility. So many online courses or um, higher educations still require you have to be at a certain place at a certain time, spend either a quarter or a semester doing that same work. Um, ours is, is very individualized, so you can come in and out of courses at your pace. Um, but that individualized learning um, for working adults is, is really key to their success. I want to ask about sort of the perception of online education as well. I mean, so when I Google Western Governors University, one of the first questions that comes up uh, in the prompts is, is Western Governors University legit? And then there are the questions about accreditation and, you know, are, are degrees from WGU going to be respected in the workplace? 
And, and the, the answers came back positively, by the way. It's not like uh, there, there were no surprises in the answers. But the fact that those questions come up, is that sort of a perception challenge that you're having to to wrestle with? You it's know, like, higher education has been challenged by those questions um, on, on all fronts. Um, I think we became very relevant during the pandemic. Um, but given that, you know, I, I think about my own experiences with online and I can't think of doing banking in, in an in-person way anymore. It's just not the way I, you know, I, I experience banking or shopping or doing everything else that we've leveraged technology for. Um, but I, I think it's funny that we think of higher education should still be that in-person model that so many of us had experienced in the past. Whereas there is new technology that we can leverage and all of higher education leveraged in the last 18 months. Um, but we've been doing this and perfecting it for 25 years. And while, you know, I think there's sort of this emergency learning that went in um, during the pandemic, um, I think there's different experiences. You can have sort of a, an emergency lifeboat and you can have kind of a, an, a, a liner, um, like a, um, a line cruise that you could take in. And your experiences on both of those might be different. Mm -hmm. Um, and I will say that luxury liner is, is sort of what we strive for in an online environment, um, which is very different than people's experience um, when they think about sort of this emergency online learning. Um, we are accredited by Northwest, um, <laughs> um, both regionally accredited, and each of our programs are also um, accredited within um, their individual disciplines. And so, yes, I think that's always, always important for individuals who are looking for education to ensure that those programs are accredited and reputable. And um, because we have seen some private or for-profits um, who have closed their doors to students um, and need to find safe harbors. So I think it's an important thing for everyone to consider. But as far as the online experience, you know, part of what you're doing is getting students to reimagine what the college experience is going to be. I mean, for an 18 to 22 year old immersing yourself on a campus, that may make sense. But for somebody who is in a rural community with a family, with a job, that's just not going to happen. Absolutely. Or, or they don't need that. They, they right. don't need the online experience. They need the flexibility and they want to move forward in their career. <laughs> Do you see uh, competition in the online space. I'm thinking about the State Board of Education and the program that they're putting together. The, you know, the online Idaho program that's going to be more of a clearinghouse for students to access online classes from the public institutions. Is that competition? Is that complementary? Are you all, you know, seeking different students, uh, different niches in the, in the student uh, population? Well, I think if we're going to achieve our goals around increasing um, educational attainment for all um, adults, I think everybody needs options. And I think the more options there are that fit individuals' needs or lifestyles, all the better. Um, I think the higher education ecosystem should be broad, it should be plentiful, and people should have choices. Um, so I think some competition is good, and or if you think of it as choices, you know, the choices that you might make now might be different than choices you might um, encourage your children or your parents to make as well. The short answer is we're not at a point where a student learning remotely in Grangeville or Jerome 
is has too many options. I mean, they can always have, they can always use more alternatives and more pathways. Absolutely, and pathways is a really great um, term for it. So we work very collaboratively with the community colleges. Um, this past year, we've signed articulation agreements with all four of the Idaho community colleges, and we're building pathways for students who may want to start at a community college. I did that myself, and then transfer to a university. Um, so you might kind of get the best of both worlds, right? You get sort of that um, in-person um, or on-campus experience, and then you may want to transfer into um, a four-year online program. How, you talked a little bit about the way higher education is perceived. Um, how do those larger perception issues uh, affect an online institution? I mean, uh, say a little bit more about that. Well, I mean, there's been a lot of you know, a political uh, backlash about higher education. You know, does that affect an online institution like WGU? I think there's accountability that we really need to address in higher education um, that individuals are, are paying for in higher education and we need to deliver and in higher education that there is some accountability on our end um, that we need to address to ensure that students are successful that they get out into degrees um, that they're seeking um, and to move us forward I think that said it's um, also in my mind a partnership of public-private partnership to um, have some fantastic dialogue about what are those skill sets that we want um, those employers to have and are we in higher education meeting those skills. Um, a great example we just started um, during the pandemic in um, online um, skills network. And what we've done is we've partnered with business, including IBM, Walmart, and some very large businesses um, to identify an open skills network where we're starting to speak the same language. So when we talk about communication skills, we can map out what communication skills mean. And we've mapped those to our competencies so that our students going back out into the workforce and are looking for jobs. Um, we have those skills that are mapped to the employers and their needs. And I think employers don't always, um, haven't always understood sort of what a degree equates to the skills that they're hiring for higher education. And we're starting to build that um, communication network so that our students can come out and say, these are the skills that I gained uh, from WGU. And here's how it applies to the position that I am seeking. That's and not just necessarily hard skills. I mean, it's the soft skills, Absolutely. it's the business skills as well. It is. Um, I think the broader goal is also to add in all the other skills that we learn along the way, right? Either through the military or apprenticeships or, you know, things that we do on a day-to-day -day basis, that those could be used in a skills wallet that we can carry around and show the full breadth of what we could bring to mm -hmm. employers. So, just kind of last question, sure. maybe wrap it all up here. So many forces at work when you think about it. I mean, you've got the pandemic, you've got these sectors that are really looking for, you know, for skilled employees, whether it's teaching profession, nursing profession, IT, cybersecurity. You've also got this really acute labor shortage, you know, all across the job market. I mean, how do you see this all shaking out? And how do you see, you know, 
your role on the other side of all of this, your institution's role on the, on the other side of all of this? Well, I think now is the time to get moving. Um, I think that we've hit pause, um, and I think with the variant, we've ha- hit pause an- another time. Yeah. Um, but now's the time to get moving and really thinking about what's next. Um, what's next for our careers, what's next for opportunities. Um, There's no time like now, probably in my lifetime, um, that people should really think about sort of what what's going to happen after this pandemic and what will make them stronger going into the workforce. Um, Starting those degrees now is is a great way to move forward. Um, And, you know, given some time and perspective. Um, I think now is a great time to reconsider um, where you want to advance in your career or maybe where you might want to re-career. So it's um, kind of a zeitgeist moment. Absolutely. You know, I, I keep reading about this great um, resignation. We used to talk about the great recession. Now it's the great resignation. A lot of people are, are giving up their current jobs and really rethinking what life is going to look like after the pandemic. What do they want to do? Where do they want to do it? Absolutely. You know, I've met engineers who've given up their jobs and said, you know, I just want to become a STEM teacher. I want to give back now. Um, Or individuals who have been moved by the pandemic because maybe they had somebody in their own life that was impacted. Now they want to go into care coordination um, because they found skills in that area. Um, So I I think this is a very interesting time as we move forward um, and people begin to reconsider sort of what they want to do after this. It's a great place to, to wrap it up. Tanya, I appreciate your time and walking us through, and hopefully we can catch up down the road. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having Thank me. You. Again, that was Tanya Drake of Western Governors University. That'll wrap it up for the podcast this week, and it's been a busy week for us here at Idaho Education News, and I'm going to do something that I don't get to do very often on the podcast. I'm going to talk to you about a couple of stories that we had that really had nothing to do with the pandemic. Sammy Edge has a story about the College of Southern Idaho and an important milestone that CSI has passed in terms of of serving Latino students. Devin Bodkin catches up with Bob Custer, the former president of Boise State University, and they talk about the rumor that has been circulating around the state house for months that Custer will seek office. See what he has to say at idahoednews.org. And Blake Jones has a nice change of pace story about a Nampa teacher who is going to be competing in the Miss USA pageant. So there's a lot going on in education policy and education politics that really has nothing to do with the pandemic. But unfortunately, a lot of the news has to do with the pandemic. I have an in-depth look at what's happening with childhood case numbers in Idaho and across the nation, what that means for health of children, what it means for school operations, trying to connect the dots here as we're seeing a lot of data points come in as the variant continues to work its way through Idaho and as hospitalization rates continue to climb, as case numbers continue to climb. I tried to connect the dots here about what this means in terms of kids and what it means in terms of schools. And this is the story we're going to be following closely in the weeks to come. And I know a lot of readers are tired of hearing about it. We hear from commenters who say that we're fear-mongering, who say that we're exaggerating the situation, but we're also hearing from a number of you who are, are reaching out to say that they uh, that you appreciate what we're trying to do here. That, you know, we're trying to cover a complicated issue as hopefully as responsibly as we can. We appreciate hearing from all of you, and uh, we'll continue to follow this story closely. We also have an interactive feature on our homepage. If you are a teacher, a student, a parent, 
who has been affected by the pandemic and you want to share your story, we want to hear from you. So check us out at idahoidnews.org for the latest news on education policy and education politics. Check back daily. Follow us on Twitter at idahoidnews. We uh, tweet out links to our latest stories and uh, bulletins on any breaking news. Follow us on Facebook and comment there. And check back next Friday for another edition of the podcast. Until then, I'm Kevin Richard. Stay safe and have a good week.